Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. This is exciting. We're kicking off now uh, what, for me, is my third season here at the Nachum Siegel Network, which is pretty crazy to have done two full seasons. I remember when they first raised the possibility of doing this show, one of my fears was, like, what if we run out of stuff to talk about? What if there's just, we've interviewed all the interesting people out there. I kind of had some ideas in my head of who I would bring on to such a show, but thank God there's just a lot of interesting people in the world, um, and so far so good. Um, Over the summer while we were on hiatus, I met a woman while I was out with my family who told me that she had been in the hospital on bed rest and, you know, wasn't able to do much. And listening to my show every day, um, she played on the app, um, really, you know, brightened her day and gave her a lot of chizuk. And it's so special because, you know, here I am recording this show. It's really a one-sided conversation when I'm talking like this. It then becomes a, a dialogue when I bring my guest on. But I really don't know who's out there and who's listening and who these shows are impacting and frankly I was never even a radio show host I just kind of made this up as I went along um, at, like most of the things that I do so it's certainly exciting to be back for a whole new season and um, I got a bunch of exciting people to speak to uh, the woman that we're going to be having on today actually we were trying to get her on at the end of last season and we couldn't work out our schedules. So she was one of the first uh, women that I wanted to have back when we kicked off the new season. And really what we're trying to do here is showcase, you know, either chesed and, you know, kindness being performed in the Orthodox community or out of the box hobbies or careers or things you never thought an Orthodox Jew could do. And probably like me, you've come across sort of cool or interesting stories, but had no place to put that or no place to publicize that. But but so exciting about having this platform on this radio show and on JewInTheCity.com and our social media platforms is that when I do come across interesting stories, there is a place to share that inspiration. There is a place to let people know that you know, the boxes can be bigger than maybe we um, paint ourselves into. And so uh, the story of our guest today, Ariella Lowe, started several months ago when I had, one, I think, my first from friend over. Um, she came back at my first house that I went to as a friend for Shabbos, um, my senior year of high school. And she brought me to my first NCSY Shabbaton, which was the weekend of my senior prom. And she was visiting with her family. And it was kind of neat because here we were all grown up with our kids. And um, her her husband's cousin lives near us, too. And they have a shared cousin. And she happened to mention her shared cousin, who's from and lives in Chicago, and is a police officer, a from female police officer. And I have heard of like a couple from male police officers, but a from female police officer... Well, I just had to find out more. So without further ado, um, let's welcome Ariella onto our show. Ariella, good morning, and thanks for joining us here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, um, you know, I just, I love talking to people that do interesting things and don't let um, what they didn't see before them stop them from doing something new, because that has got to be the case with you, because uh, I, I can't, unless you'll surprise me now and tell me that there were a whole, you know, long slew of from female police officers that you uh, modeled yourself after, but I guess if you could start us off um, at the beginning, how did you you grow up? What was your Jewish background uh, growing up like? Where did you grow up? What was sort of the vibe that you got educationally? Um, I grew up in a 
suburb just outside of Chicago, Lincolnwood, um, in a pretty traditional Orthodox family. Um, I guess kind of something that maybe had me outside the box already was uh, my mom, who was already doing something that most Orthodox people don't do, is she was um, a radio newscaster. Uh, she worked oh, for cool. WBBM. Um, and it was a news station, and she kind of, when she walked in for her interview, she told them, you know, she's an Orthodox Jew, and she couldn't work on Shabbos, and they said, okay, that's not a problem. Um, and then she told them, well, so you're hiring me for, like, in two weeks when all of the Jewish holidays are, so <laughs> I also need all these other days off. Um, and she made a career as a news reporter for 40 years, and now is pretty much retired doing part-time. So she kind of showed me that, you know, Orthodox people can do things that, you know, other people think they can't. Um, Love it. I started out um, going to Hill Torah Day School, where my siblings went, and then um, for various reasons, I personally ended up switching to public school. My siblings went to Hill Torah through eighth grade and then to uh, Crown Jewish Academy, um, but I switched to a public school. So I guess kind of my um, upbringing was a little bit different in that sense um, because I was in a secular setting, although I did uh, go to Hebrew school and I still you know, kept Shabbos and all of that. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to go to a Jewish high school. So I worked hard and ended up there. So that was kind of just sort of my background. Uh, we went to Lincolnwood Jewish Congregation, which is uh, mostly a traditional shul, but also had an Orthodox minion, a smaller minion in the shul. So we were kind of in and out of both. And that was your Jewish background growing yeah. up. And so where, so you have this great model. And it's interesting, it reminds me a little bit of, I'm sure you're familiar with Tamir Goodman, who was the first Shomer Shabbos uh, professional basketball player, Division One basketball player we had on um, in a previous season. So he hadn't seen a from basketball player before him playing at that level, but he did see his father as a lawyer wearing his yarmulke in the court, which at that point was, you know, breaking a glass ceiling in, in that generation in that time. And um, so that motivated him to take it one step further. So maybe our kids are going to be like on the moon or something, you know, keeping Shabbos. But <laughs> it's actually really, um, it's interesting because, you know, I was sort of wondering, like, do you, do you blaze this trail all by yourself? But it's, you know, a lot of times it's someone who maybe didn't do something exactly like you did, but who did something differently enough for you to believe that you could also do something differently enough. So where... Where does the policewoman thing come in? Because, you know, when kids are younger, like, were you a tomboy more when you were growing up? Because that's sort of more of, like, generally, like, you know, the boys play policemen and firemen. You know, if you're going to get stereotypical, was that, like, always something you thought of? Or did that idea of, become, of joining the police force happen later in life? Uh, so I decided when I was 12 years old that I wanted to be a cop. It's not <laughs> that much of a, um, I guess, juicy story. Um, there was no, like, revelation that I had one day. Um, I don't know that I was so much of a tomboy. I wasn't, like, super girly, but, you know, I did girl things. I did boy things. And when I was little, I always wanted to be a builder. And looking back on that now, I don't really know what that meant. I don't know if it meant, like, I want to be a construction worker or bricklayer or whatever, but I just liked, you know, playing with Legos and that kind of stuff. And then uh, one day I decided I needed math to be a builder, which, depending on what that entails, you don't. <laughs> but I don't know why one day I just decided that, oh, you must need math to be a builder. And I'm terrible at math. So I decided I'd be a cop instead. 
And, you know, when most little kids say, oh, I want to be a cop when I grow up, uh, everyone kind of expected me to grow out of that. And just the more it went on, uh, the more I was interested and intrigued by it. Um, I also, when I was 12, was the year of September 11th. So maybe uh-huh. subconsciously that had some inspiration. But wow, I, it was just kind of one day me. I decided I wanted to do it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting how um, tragedies impact us. My, I had a tragedy that certainly impacted my own journey. So you had this. So you tell people that you want to be a cop, and they're like, "Ha ha, that's cute, Ariella. Like you know, go back and you know, play with your kids' stuff." And do you talk about it often? Is it something that you think about often, or like how like how much does this come up? Because like I guess this is something that I'm not familiar with. Even I'm not sure if our you know viewers are. I guess there's like police training school. There was maybe like police academy, like a movie like that. So like, what was your educational background between high school and I guess police academy? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, so in between high school and I went to college. Um, you don't, depending on the department you work for, you don't necessarily need a college degree. I think it's becoming more and more that you need at least an associate's degree. Um, but again, it just depends on the department that you're working for. Um, so I, but I also decided it was important just in case it didn't work out or, you know, I somewhere along the lines changed my mind, although I'm usually a pretty stubborn person and stick with what I've decided. But um, so I went and got a college degree in criminal justice, and every summer I did an internship. The first summer, I actually, uh, when I graduated college and I was looking for something to do that summer, I walked into the Lincoln Police Department and asked to do an internship with them. And they told me, come back when I'm in college. They don't do internships until you're in college. So the next summer I walked in and they gave me an internship. And that kind of, that day sealed the deal for me, Mm. um, or that summer sealed the deal for me. I was just, I loved every minute that I was working with them. Um, I liked the adrenaline rush. I liked the different calls we went on. I remember once I've been driving around on a midnight shift, just doing a ride along. And it also, like, it depended who I was with um, and who was the shift manager or captain um some people told me i couldn't get out of the car for whatever for whatever call we were on some people let me you know conduct a traffic stop with them so i was uh we were driving down at maybe 12 30 in the morning and some car had his headlight out going the opposite direction so the officer busted a u-turn and went after him and then uh, we went to pull the car over, and the car signaled that it was turning, and then took off down the road. And uh, police aren't really supposed to get into uh, car chases, because um, it ends up being more danger than it's worth, um, and you can cause more destruction that way. But the officer knew that there was a cul-de-sac about two blocks down, so this car would have nowhere to go. And he went after it. And while we're going after it, we found out that it was a stolen car, which explains why it took off. So, and then just as, like, we caught him at the cul-de-sac, three guys popped out of the car and went running. And I was just like, oh, man, like, I want to get out of the car. And unfortunately for that, I couldn't. <laughs> Probably also fortunately. Um, but that was just something that I, I was just like, yeah, this, I definitely want to do it. Um, also, like, my first day there, the lieutenant was kind of talking to me and trying to get me settled. And all of a sudden on the radio, you heard there was a shoplifter um, in, a, in Dominic's, which is like a grocery store that used to be here. And he was, like, walking and talking and, like, you know, waving his hand for me to come. And we jump in a car, and he's going, like, 70 down to 30 in the wrong way, <laughs> on the, in the wrong uh, lane. And, like, there's a car coming at us. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, we're going to die here. And last minute, he, like, veers into the correct lane, 
Mrs. Leather Car does a quick turn into the parking lot, and about four of the Wingdom Police officers, probably all of the officers on the force at that shift, <laughs> all pulled up to uh, the Dominic's just as this guy was walking out with a bottle of alcohol it, like tucked into his sock. And it was, mm. it was just like, wow, like this is what you see on like in movies. And I, I mean, was it was literally going to say you know, your something. life is like a movie. <laughs> so that was what it felt like. I was just like, oh, my God, this is like what you see in movies. And uh, so that was like, yeah, I want to do this. Um, and then I did a couple internships just in other areas to see, if, well, maybe did I want to do something else in criminal justice? I worked for adult probation. And it was a good internship, and it, you know, opened my eyes to a few naivetes that I had, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked for a juvenile detention center, and I enjoyed working with the kids, but it was also not exactly what I was looking for. Um, so, and then when I graduated college, I started applying for jobs, and it's, it's a long process to apply for a police officer. There's a lot of steps involved. You have to take a test. You have to take a fitness test. Then you have to go through, some have a polygraph, some uh, most have a psych evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of steps just in, in the process. Um, interviews, and then, you know, you get a conditional offer, and you go through the psych evaluation. Wait, so um, is there a police go, academy? Like, I don't even think I saw the movie, but, like, I yeah. just know there was a movie. Like, is there a police academy where you get trained to be a cop, or that's later, or that's fiction? or? Yeah, so... Well, the way it works in Chicago, it does work differently in different places. I know I went to school in Philadelphia, and in Philadelphia, I think you have to pay to put yourself through police academy and then hope you get a job afterwards. Uh, the way it works in Chicago is you can't go to a police academy unless you're sponsored by a department. So you get hired, um, and then you go to the police academy. So I went to the Chicago Police Academy. There's about, I want to say, four to six different academies in, the, in Illinois. Um, mm. But that was the one that my department sent me to. And did anyone, but, uh, like any of your family and friends, try to stop you along the way? Like either because a you were like not fitting into a box of like what a nice you know Basiasrael should be doing, or b because it's dangerous. I'm like thinking like I hope my kids don't listen to this, cause, you know. But I'm saying like did anyone like for any reasons try to dissuade you from going in this direction, or were you mostly supported by family and friends? Um, I got both. I had you know I don't think anybody ever really was unsupportive. Um, I know that a lot of people weren't thrilled with the idea or they were just like, you know, why are you doing this? It's dangerous. There are other things you could do. Um, my grandmother specifically <laughs> was very unhappy and spent uh, from age 12 until I graduated police academy trying to convince me to be a kindergarten teacher. Um, <laughs> she's uh, 98 years old, so I think she kind of has certain stereotypes of the way that, you know, Orthodox women and Orthodox men and jobs and that kind of stuff. Right. So this was a huge adjustment for her. And until until she came to my police academy graduation, she was always saying, you know, maybe you'll change your mind. You should, you know, be a, you should be a kindergarten teacher or anything else but this. And then at the graduation, she was pretty proud of me and, you know, enjoyed showing me off after that. So I think she changed her tune a little bit. She still wasn't thrilled with the danger part. Um, but... And then I've, I've had, you know, a couple of friends who have told me, you know, it's dangerous or people who I've met are on the way. Um, and I've had a ton of people who were discouraging in the fact that they say, like, you know, good luck getting Shabbos off. You're never going to be able to do that um, or you're never going to be able to work. And I actually spoke to a rabbi before I seriously started applying to jobs or while I was applying just to find out what I could and couldn't do. Um, I know that some rabbis say that being a doctor, it's so you can work on Shabbos. 
Um, and that was kind of always the opinion I had, but I, I spoke to a rabbi about it to make sure. And um, he, to my surprise, did say that it's okay. <laughs> um, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of Rabbi Gedalia Schwartz. I but, have. I've spoken to him. He's wonderful. So he was he was the person who I spoke to, and he had said that um, working on Travis as a police officer, for me specifically, he doesn't say that as a blanket statement that it's okay, but he met with me and got to know me and said that that was okay. Um, so he gave me a head there to work on Travis, and he told me there are things that I couldn't do and things that I could do throughout the process of applying. He said, you know, in a, while you're applying, you can't work, you can't do anything that would violate Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would send letters to departments who had their testing on Travis and mm-hmm. say, you know, no, I can't work on, you know, I can't, I can't take the test on Travis. Can you accommodate? And can I come in and take it on a separate date? Um, so I'd go like uh, departments. There were maybe a lot of departments that had worked with one agency that gave a test, and that agency gave the test out to multiple different departments on multiple different days. So I would drive up to that agency once a month and take their test for a different department. Um, and some agencies wouldn't accommodate, um, but a lot did. Um, and originally I was telling them, you know, I can't take the test on Travis. And before I had spoken to the rabbi, um, I had said I couldn't work on Travis either, but we would get to that stage when it, if it came to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found once I told them that if, you know, if it can't be an accommodation worked out for Shabbos that I could work, um, even though it's not preferable, it's allowed. Um, they had said that uh, I, I found that more departments were willing to at least put me through the testing process. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a long process, and then you go to the police academy, um, and the police academy is about 16 weeks, the one that I went to. Mm-hmm. And what, so it's like, I'm just like listening to like the the path of this, like first is like connect with a rabbi that understands you and your journey, like for yourself a rabbi that, you know, gets you, gets to know you, understands why this is important. Obviously it has to be within the realm of Jewish law, but it's, about connecting with a certain type of rabbi that can be, you know, on your vibe. And then it's about connecting with the right type of, you know, uh, office or precinct that is willing to be open enough to your differences and to your religious needs. So um, another person could have gotten discouraged if they had, you know, maybe gotten a no at the beginning. But you said before you were stubborn. So I I always like people who, uh, you know, fight for their dreams like that. Um, So... Once you, is Shabbos like the main sort of, uh, I guess, thing that makes you different in in practicing as a, an Orthodox female police officer? Are there any other ways that Jewish law has interfaced? Any like kosherist challenges or anything else that um, being Orthodox has, has raised in terms of your job or was Shabbos and Yantsev the main thing? Um, those are probably the main thing. Um, I've, although I have noticed at least the department that I work for and the people that I work with, I don't know if this is true of all police officers. Um, and I also noticed it within my police academy class because we were a bunch of different departments all in one group. Um, just sort of my ideals and beliefs and um, background is completely different from them. I mean, they're mostly all great people who, you know, have the same end of the end of goal that I do. But just in terms of the way we speak, um, <laughs> I remember I would be in roll call and uh, even like the captain who was a female, you know, kind of curse. And then they'd all turn to me and be like, oh, I'm sorry, because they've just never like I don't curse and they right. never heard me curse around them. And everybody. so, um, you know, there are little things like that. 
that are different. Mm-hmm. And what, so you were probably, are you like the first Orthodox Jew they'd ever en- encountered before? Was that, you know, where you think there were certain stereotypes that you broke down for people or certain ways that you surprised people? Um, for the most part, I think that I'm the most, the first Orthodox Jew that any of them have encountered. Um, a couple of them have told me, you know, they have a friend who's an Orthodox Jew or they have a kid in their school who, in their kid's school, who is Jewish, not necessarily Orthodox, but... So, um, but most people didn't seem to have any idea about Orthodox Judaism in general, um, or really understand it. I mean, I would explain to my field training officers about Shabbos, and they just looked at me like I was kind of nuts. (laughs) You'd be like, how do you do that? Isn't that, like, really hard? Um, And, like, you know, there were things that I did while I was on shift when I was working on Shabbos that um, kind of set me apart from them, that they were just, like, they didn't really understand. So, like... You know, the rabbi spoke who said you're supposed to minimize as much um, breaking of Shabbos as you can. So, like, And once you're off duty, you're really not supposed to do anything. So I had a... My grandma has a cousin who happens to live in the neighborhood where I work, and where I work is very far from where I live. So when I would work on Shabbos, instead of driving home, I would sleep over in her apartment over Shabbos. And so I'd have to... You know, they don't have an Arab in that area, so I'd have to take all my stuff and leave it there except for, you know, my AD badge to get in and out of the building. And then I would, you know, put it on a necklace and put the keys on a necklace so that it's kind of getting around the whole Aruv issue. Yeah. And I would walk to her apartment and I had a preset alarm. And I remember one Shabbos, just before Shabbos, I went there to take a nap because I was working midnight and I set the alarm and, or the alarm, the battery had died and I didn't have an extra spare battery. So I called the dispatchers and I tried to ask them if they could call uh, house phone or call my cell phone and I explained that I wasn't going to answer but <laughs> that they <laughs> should call and leave a message and that I would get it and I would wake up and I would come and walk over to the department and just like the dispatcher was really confused and didn't really get it but was like okay sure <laughs> um, so and then you know I got up and I walked over you know two miles to the department um, in like the dead of winter and everybody in the department thought I was nuts and they were like wait I don't understand you walked why don't you just call for a ride so I think I've, you know, I've kind of had to explain a lot to the, the people in my department, um, and I've had a lot of lengthy discussions with different people just kind of about it. And some, you know, there are a couple who are religious Christians, so they really kind of admired and appreciate it. Um, and then there are others who are just, like, completely clueless and don't understand it. <laughs> and what about when people from the from community meet you now that you get introduced or, like, kids say in school, my mommy's a police officer, do you get... Do you get comments, curiosity, positive feedback, you know, suspicious feedback? Really, what? Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Um, all the I've really only, yeah, I've, I feel like for the most part since I've been doing it, the response I get is like, oh, wow, that's really cool or that's really different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've really encountered too much negativity with it. Um, I think there's a little bit in my mind of, like, an insecurity where I think if people hear that, you know, I'm an Orthodox police officer and for a while I was working on Travis right now, I'm, thank God I'm not, but um, I kind of felt like, you know, people were thinking, oh, well, if you work on Travis, it's not common for a police officer to get the head there that, a, that a, a doctor does, and it's controversial. So, I've, you know, I kind of felt for myself that maybe people didn't think I was necessarily Orthodox or, you know, I consider myself Orthodox, but they wouldn't consider me Orthodox, and I don't know if any of that's actually true or if it was just in my head. I think um, Rebbe Dov Schwartz considers you orthodox, so I think uh, I think you're probably <laughs> going to be okay for that. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> what what um you know we're uh, we're closing up soon now, um, and this is really so fascinating and um, really. I, I can't even imagine like what people at home are thinking in terms of like what dreams are people daring to dream that maybe you are because again it wasn't the police officer from Orthodox female police officer that you know made you think you could do something different it was the you know um, the anchor position so what advice do you have for people listening at home who you know still might have a chance to do something different and out of the box and do a career change or who are younger or who have some, some youngsters at home that they could inspire. How do you do something um, that people tell you not to do or that you're not even sure if you can do? What are some pointers to keep in mind? You just have to kind of find, take, take things one step at a time. You have to have the determination to do it because they definitely did along the way in a lot of different ways get yeah. uh, negativity. And that's not just from, you know, people in the community or family or friends. It was, you know, also people within the police department were telling me, oh, you're never going to get a department where you'll get Shabbos off or you're never going to get, you know, you can't do this Shabbos, you can't work a Shabbos. Um, but I just kind of ignored all that and said, if I can't, I'll cross that bridge when it comes to it, but I'm going to keep doing it until I can. Um, and I took it one step at a time, one department at a time. So I think just kind of, if you want to do something, it's possible to do it. You just have to make it work and you have to do it slowly and figure out, work out the kinks. I mean, that's exactly that how I feel idea. like with, you know, what we've built now with June the City with Project Mockholm, um, which, you know, on June the City, we started off trying to reach out to a crowd that was not orthodox, that misunderstood orthodoxy. Project Makom now has really on its own organically grown from people in the orthodox community that were disenfranchised and didn't like the orthodoxy they were raised with and are in search of another derech. And there were so many unanswered questions that we had. And my feeling has always been like, well, let's just start doing it. And no one has all the answers now, but if we do it, then we'll figure out what the next step is once we're already on the path. So um, I approve of your answer. So thank you so much for um, for making the time uh, to speak to us and to inspire so many of our listeners out there. And we wish you um, really a continued successful career and safe career. And um, and yeah, thank you, uh, thank you so much for for setting this example thank you. and hopefully uh, helping other people uh, forge their own out of the box path. Thank you. The uh, if I had the one other thing I would say is in terms of if people are negative, I kind of what I did was I used that to kind of say I'm going to prove them wrong, so I'll show all of them. So that's my my one other piece of advice is if somebody's being negative about it, it's just you know use that to your advantage and use it more as a challenge than anything else. Love it. Okay, great. Well, thank you so <laughs> thank much you. for listening today, and you can find us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.